do grab your seats. This morning, and I appreciate your patience, this morning we are delighted to have a very special person with us. This individual is a hero of Susan and ours, and her name is Cheryl, and Cheryl and her husband, Nofi, and their two fantastic kids, Kayla and Judah, are Glasgow Elam's missionaries. We support them. We send money from the church every month to support the incredible work that they do in King's Kids Children's Home in Indonesia. And I'm going to invite Cheryl to come and share an update with us. But Glasgow Elam, could I ask that you give the warmest possible and the loudest possible welcome to this incredible individual. Good morning, everyone, and thank you so much for that very warm welcome. It's a real pleasure for me to be here. That was quite an introduction, Fraser, thank you. <laughs> I am born and bred in the west coast of Scotland, um, Kilmacombe, if you know it, near Greenock. And from a very young age, I felt as if God had put a call in my life, and he was calling me into missions. And I didn't really know what to do with it, so being a good Scottish lass, I did nothing about it for about 14 years. Eventually, at the age of 28, I went and did a DTS, a discipleship training school with YWAM, Youth with a Mission. I went all the way to Australia before realizing there was actually one in Paisley and an East Kilbride and all over Scotland. But I really believe that was God's plan because when I went to Australia, they had adopted a people group and that people group was in Indonesia. And I really felt as if that's where God was telling me to go. I first had to go and find out whereabouts Indonesia was on a big map because I didn't have a clue at the time. So I went, um, 2004, I went to Australia and did my DTS there. And God just set me free from so much and he set my heart on fire and gave me a real heart and a real passion to go and spread his word and to bring new lives into his kingdom. And my heart was for Indonesia a country that is um, predominantly Muslim and there are so many different people groups and there's just so many people that have yet to know the love of Christ. So two weeks after the big tsunami in 2004, I went out to Indonesia um, on my own. We last free Greenock all the way over to Indonesia um, and there they threw me in the deep end. I went and lived in a kampung, which is a very, um, very small, tiny little houses, it's like a rabbit's warren, tiny little alleys and tiny little houses. And I lived with a widow there for two years, learning the culture and the language and just trying to be Jesus in the flesh, just trying to love on them while I learned more about their culture and their, their language. And there's a lot of stories I could tell you in that one about me trying to learn another language because I couldn't couldn't remember my last name half the time. And so it was quite a challenge, but it really was a miracle. My sister didn't believe that this was God's calling for me to go to Indonesia. She said, Cheryl, I can see you going to Africa and playing with all these gorgeous little babies, but Indonesia, having to cover up? She goes, I'll only believe it if you get that language. And within three months, I could hold a reasonable conversation. I could book hotels, I could get around, I could barter for things. And she just looked at me. She came out to visit and she was like, now I believe that God wants you there. 
And so within a year, I had gained the language to a very good standard and um, have been able to just really get into the community. The community accepted me. They took me on as their daughter. They love me. And to this day, we're still very, very close. But after the two years were coming to a close, I was asking God, how can I stay in Indonesia? I really feel as if this is where you want me to be. But how can I stay? What, under what visa? And the other wee bit, I tagged on to the bottom of the prayer, at the end of the prayer, it was, God, can you tell me if I'm ever going to get married or not? Don't mind if I'm not, but can you tell me so I'm not thinking about it all the time? And then I went to a YWAM celebration of it being in Indonesia for 25 years. And there God introduced me to my husband. And so his name is Nofi, and he was running a children's home. And so when I heard about this children's home, I was very, very interested because kids are my heart. Since I've been a kid myself, I've been working with the youth. I've been doing the Sunday schools, weekends away, Friday night clubs, all that kind of thing. And that's just where my heart is. So within a very short time, God showed us that he had a plan for us together. And so within nine months, the term of a pregnancy from meeting, we were married. And obviously that's when the real hard work happened. <laughs> found becoming mum to 29 kids at the time. I found that part easy. I found the marriage the difficult part. But praise God, he has been faithful and we're still going strong 15 years later. And God is doing an amazing thing in our lives and through us. So we run a children's home and we take in at-risk children from all over Indonesia, different islands, different backgrounds. And at-risk can mean anything from they've been abandoned from birth, they've been in abusive homes, broken homes, parents have died, parents have abandoned them, or extreme poverty. And so what we do is we bring these kids to come and live with us. So we're all in one big building and we raise them as our own. So it's not an orphanage. I hate that word. It's not that. It's a children's home. It's our big family. So we're King's Kids family. And I think behind me, there's a picture of us. If you could move on to the next slide. Um, oh, I forgot it was that one. This is my husband, Nofi, and my two children, Kayla, who's 12, and Judah, who's 10. And they're with me. Husband's not. I left him at home this time. But I brought the kids over to visit our family here. Um, but um, yeah, so we have been married now for 15 years and our children were born in Paisley but have been in Indonesia since they were just two months old. So I'm just going to give you a little update on our children's home just now and just give you a couple of examples of what's been going on there. Next one. So this is our staff that are with us and some of the single mums. So I have... 33 children that are living with us just now. We have got eight staff and we have got four single mums that have been living with us for the past good while. So we have been um, trying to help single mums. This came about one day I was receiving a newborn baby. She was only a month old and her mother was handing her over to me because her husband was not taking responsibility um, and she had no family, no support, so she was giving me her baby. And it broke my heart because I had a baby at the time. And I thought, this is wrong to be taking a child away from her mother. Yes, to help her and to provide her a safe place, but I'm separating a mother and a daughter. And that seed, sowed the seed. And from then we started accepting in pregnant women 
or single mum with their children and just providing them a safe place to raise their children and come under God's word and experience his love. But just a couple of years ago, God was speaking to Nofi and I about doing something more for them. And so we opened up, just last year, we opened up another home for single mums. And so we had five mothers that came to live with us, with their children. So it was a total of 10 children. And we ran a discipleship training school for them and just seen their lives being completely transformed. Amazing, amazing way. And so at the bottom of this picture, all the girls that are kneeling on the floor, they are our single mums that came and went through the school with us. And then behind them is my staff that are on the left-hand side. The middle couple were people that came to help us with the training. And then I've got my arm around my mother-in-law, and that's my husband at the end, and more staff round about us. So God has really blessed us. He's provided the right people at the right time. I even have my mother-in-law and sister-in-law living with me, and they're helping out. And God's really been blessing us and growing our ministry. Next one, please. Okay, so this is some of our kids. Everybody likes to see the cute photos, don't they? The cute little kids. So we've got plenty to go around. So this is um, some of the younger kids that we have with us. Um, this was a way I was blessed with some extra money to take them all swimming. So we were going to this big water park. So very excited faces there. And the little boy in red and the little girl with the pink t-shirt are my two newest children that have come to join us from the island of Papua. And so the little boy wants to be the next governor of Papua. He's got very high hopes, very big dreams, which I'm very supportive of. And little Monica is just five years old and she came and celebrated her, her fifth birthday with us after just arriving. And she's an absolute dream to have around. Absolutely beautiful little girl. I put the lid on too tight. Hold on. Sorry, my throat always dries up when I come up on the stage. Um, little Lebron, the boy in the red t-shirt, he came to us because he does have a mother and a father, but in his area there's a lot of fighting. And he would regularly see fighting in his front yard with bows and arrows and spears and people were literally dying in front of him. And his mother feared for his life, feared for his future. And so he came to live with us so that he could get the opportunity to finish school and achieve his dreams. Next one, please. So this is a picture of all my little kids. This is all in the back of a chair, the car, doing their little poses. And so they've all come from different backgrounds. Um, the little boy in the top corner, he came to us. He couldn't even speak Indonesian, and he didn't know how to use a toilet. We used to find little deposits in the garden, in the car park outside, anywhere, because where he'd come from, they didn't have toilets, and they would just go into the bushes. So his, I was teaching him a little bit of English when he first came as well, so he can do a little bit of English, and he's now mastered Indonesian. Next one, please. And this is my older kids. So most of them have been with me since they've been toddlers, are very, very young, and each of them have gone through amazing transformation. My girls here, um, the Papuan girl at the end, I trekked into the highlands of Papua to get her. She, um, her uncle wanted her to come and live with us because his wife, his second wife, was beating her daily with an iron bar or whatever came to hand. And he's seen the potential in her and he wanted to get her out into safety. And it was quite, quite an operation to get her out. Our, our aunt actually hit her in front of me as we were saying goodbye. 
and there was quite a strong opposition over this little girl's life. But praise God, she came to us and God has kept her safe and she has just flourished into a beautiful young girl. And she is the only one in the home, I can honestly say, I've never had to give her into trouble. Now that's saying something. <laughs> she's been with me since she was seven and she's such a sweet, gentle-natured girl that's always happy to help and she's never caused us a moment's bother. So very, very proud of her. Um, the girl two in from her, little Abby, is the little baby that I got when I'd just been married nine months old, nine months, and she came to me just four weeks old. No, sorry, four days old. She still had the, the cord attached to her, her navel, and her mother had abandoned her at birth. And I remember just holding this tiny wee thing in my arms and just praying over her, praying against the rejection she'd already experienced in her very short life. And I says, God, what will I call her? And God gave me the name Abigail. And it's the father's joy and brings joy to others. And Abby is now a 14-year-old, beautiful young teenager who brings joy to our home and really is living a life full of joy. So God's doing amazing work in and through my teenagers. I do still have the teenage attitude, the rebellion, don't get me wrong. Um, but it's lovely to see them growing and moving into what God has called them for and, and experiencing him in a real and personal way. Um, next one, please. I could tell you a story about each of the kids, but Fraser will, I'll know be his favorite missionary after that. <laughs> so this is my whole family. This is my rather large family. So this is our children's ministry, our staff and all our children all together. God blessed us over between Christmas and New Year with some extra funds. We were able to take them away for a couple of days overnight. And we had a campfire, we had a barbecue, and we all enjoyed some real time together. And it was such a blessing. And yeah, this is the size of my family. <laughs> a little bit bigger than most, isn't it? Um, but each of these ones have a story of amazing restoration and healing. The guy at the very front, he is actually Nofi's nephew, my husband's nephew. And he was married at a very young age, but he fell into drugs. And he was abusive to his wife, to the point his wife tells stories of him stomping on her head. And he actually went for his father-in-law and he beat his father-in-law up in front of his wife. And so she says, enough's enough, and left him. And for seven years, there was no contact, and Efan's life just went way down, went really bad. And eventually, in a conversation with Nofi, um, he experienced remorse, expressed remorse and said that he wanted to change his life, and he had had enough. So Nofi talked for a long time with him and got him into a discipleship program. And there, he met with God in a real way, and God touched him and changed him radically. And he ended up coming to work with us for a few years and while he was there he would say oh Cheryl I really am missing my wife and my kids and I did not give him an ounce of hope because I thought it was a lost cause like if them did stomped in my head I would never speak to them again um, so I just told him to pray about it but I didn't give him an ounce shred of hope but God is an amazing God and where we think things are impossible with God it's possible so he managed to get in contact with his wife and shared his story, shared what was happening and she was receptive and so she allowed him to come and meet up with her. They went through an amazing restoration. Their marriage was restored, their family was restored and they are now working with me in ministry together as a family. 
Praise God, yeah. So they are actually, thank you. So they are actually the house leaders of our house of restoration, Hore, we call it, and that is our single mum's home. Next slide, please. Which we should be coming on to now, yeah. So this is the discipleship school in, in progress. Um, you can see they're all sitting in different places. It was storytelling, telling the word of God as it is straight from the Bible. No clever preachers with their really good stories and experiences and powerful words. Straight from the Bible, telling them the stories from the beginning, step by step. And God showed up and spoke to them individually, specifically, and gave them their own revelation. And it was so, so powerful. I was a wee bit dubious. I wanted it to be the traditional one. But Nofi overruled and went for the storytelling one. And it was the best thing he could have done for our, our ladies. And they experienced God in a real way. So you can see them there being ministered to. And tears and just God's, the Holy Spirit's working very strongly in their hearts. And then they took it to the cross. So they've got a cross there and they've written their sins or who they need to forgive. And they nailed it to the cross. And they were able to leave their burdens there and experience amazing freedom after that. So that's all the mums at the bottom, and that's Nofi and myself and the staff that were ministering to them through that time, and that's their 10 beautiful children. Unfortunately, only four out of the six graduated the school. One left after the lecture phase, and then one left just two weeks before the end, which is very frustrating. But there's always, I'm sure you know, there's always a lot of frustration in ministry. You have get high hopes for people, and they don't always... Um, live up to our hopes and expectations but these are the four that came through this is Efan and his wife Annie and their daughter and their son that's right next to him in this picture here and that's also with his grandmother and cousins so that's a whole family that's been restored and lives have been changed the lady with the pink top that's holding the microphone I want to take a minute to tell you about her her name's Martin and she was raped eight years ago and so now she has an eight-year-old daughter. She came to me when she was eight months pregnant and she was suicidal. She was so traumatized, she wouldn't speak. There was just, the walls were so high and so thick, she, nobody was allowed in. And I've tried hard. I'm a huggy person and I would hug her and I would talk to her and try my hardest to get her out of shell and nothing was working. And so she's lived with me for eight years. We've, got, we've made some progress, but nothing much to note. One day I was at their home and somebody came and hugged me from behind. And I'm thinking, here's all my huggers in front of me. I'm talking to them. Who's this? And it was Martin. I couldn't believe it. If I'd hugged her, she would stand like this. And that was her receiving your hug. She was just so uptight. And so she came and hugged me. And I thought, this is the first time in eight years she's ever come this close to me. And she said, Cheryl, can I talk to you? Can we go on a walk? Now, I do a big two-hour walk quite often in the afternoons. And uh, she asked to come, and I was like, oh, man, two hours with somebody that doesn't want to talk, that's hard going. I can talk the back end of a horse, but two hours is pushing it with somebody that's really, really closed. Well, I could not get a word in edgeways. She talked the whole time and told me just how good God was and how he'd set her free from the trauma, from the nightmares, from the memories, everything, complete freedom from her past and it was amazing. And there she's standing up on a stage, holding a microphone and smiling. And she's sharing to churches and telling them how good God is and how he's totally changed her life. 
absolutely fantastic, yeah. So I'll not tell you, there's many stories I could tell you of all these women. They've done amazing things. Um, and God still is doing amazing things in their life. So I would love you to keep praying for them and keep it in mind because it's a very major key part of our ministry just now. Now, there's always unexpected things that happen in life, isn't there? So just last Christmas, just before Christmas, there was an eruption um, just a few hours away from us. One of the volcanoes, Semero, which is a, a local tourist attraction, erupted, and hundreds of people were killed and thousands of homes were just swallowed up by the lava, and these people were displaced. So it really felt as if God was telling us to respond with what we had and, and just to go. So I took a team, one of my staff members, and we took four of our teenagers, because we believe that we're not just bringing these kids up, but we're wanting to get them involved in ministry too. It's not a case of just papping them off and waiting until they're adults and then saying, Right, what's God wanting to do with you and through you? But we're teaching them from a young age that God is interested in them and God wants to use them. And so six of the teenagers came with me and we went to Semero and we ministered to the people that had lost their homes and had lost family members. And um, it was a really powerful thing. What we would do is just take emergency packs. So every family would get an emergency pack that was full of necessities, um, water filters, Rice, cooking oil, noodles, painkillers, vitamins, just your daily necessities. It was just a little pack, an emergency pack that would help them through that. And then, next picture, please. Yep, so that's some of the packs all made up. And we'd just take them to the families and um, give them out. But what we noticed is the children were sitting quietly, just watching. There was no expression in their face. There was no smiling. There was no laughing, there was no crying, there was just silence. And so what we did is we did some trauma healing with them, and that's where I threw my kids in the deep end. I said, right, go and do something with the kids. Make a wee program, play some silly games, do some silly songs. And they did, and they didn't have any experience. They were a wee bit kind of terrified in the beginning, but God bless them, they, they rose to the challenge. And they just went full at it and just gave these little kids their all. They included them, they did little crafts, we did games, songs, all sorts. And I was really proud at just how they went for it and the kids responded. And before you knew it, you were seeing little smiles appearing in their faces, there was little giggles and then there was full on laughter. And one of the men from the community came up and shook her hands and he said, thank you so much. He says, people come, they give their gift, their donation, they take the selfie and then they leave. He says, but you guys have invested in our children. You've invested time and you've loved on us. And he says, my kids haven't smiled or spoke since that day. He says, but now they're totally responding to your children. So it's amazing. So my kids are still in contact. You know what it's like with social media these days? They're still in contact. And it's just, it's changed my children's lives. And it's also changed the lives of the kids that we were working with there. Next one, please. Okay, I'm going to do a switch. Um, this is a tribe called Wana, the Wana people, that we have recently been discovering. And to, they've been forgotten by society. They've been forgotten by time. They're a tribe that live in the jungle in central Sulawesi, and no outside contact has ever been made with them previously. And one of Nofi's good friends and fellow YWAMers has been trying for a long time to get access into this community. 
and praise God. He managed through his diligence and just um, persistence. He's a stubborn boy. Um, he managed to make contact with them and he's got permission to go into their villages and to speak to their people. And he has started an amazing work where the people are now responding. They're animistic, so they are still very much into the old ways, um, spirits and all sorts. And now they're coming to know the Holy Spirit. They're coming to know Jesus. And the next slide, I think, gives us some numbers. So he has now planted churches in 16 different locations within it, 16 different villages. And a total of 6,000 families have come to know Jesus. Praise God, yeah? A further 3,000 of people have been baptized and he started six schools. So he's really got full permission into that community and they're seeing amazing things happen. They don't do church on a Sunday, funnily enough, because that's just not okay for the people. They've got this hang up about Sunday. And so our friend was just like, okay, we'll do it on Tuesday. So they have church on a Tuesday and that's completely fine with the community. And they're now growing and thriving and they're seeing amazing miracles. I've not got a slide, but there was a picture of a woman who looked as if she was about 15 months pregnant. She had a huge belly, but it wasn't a pregnancy. It was a tumor. And um, there were six people who had these tumors. Three of them died. One of them was able to go and get operated on, and they removed the tumor successfully. It was, 30, it was between 36 or 39 kilos in weight, the tumor that they removed from her, and she survived. The other two weren't able to go and get the operation. But our fellow um, workers prayed for them and the tumours shrunk and they had complete healing. Praise God, yeah? <laughs> I could tell you stories and I could talk for a long time, but I know time's short, time's up. I, I just wanted to give you a little taste about what's going on, what we're involved in and ask for you to stand with us and join us in prayer. I really do appreciate you adopting me as your missionary for supporting us. And it's just a little taste of the work that we have going on. And I would really love it if you would pray for us. So on the board here is just some prayer, prayer points that we have. We have currently got some new children that are due to join us over the next couple of days and possibly a new single mum with her child. One of our staff is going through Bible college just now, and he just asked if I'd give him a shout out. He's looking for, for some support to help him pay his school fees. Our single mums, they've gone through their discipleship training school. Two of them have come back to work with us and help us in the kitchen and with the laundry. As you can imagine, there's a lot of laundry when you've got 40 odd people in the house. Um, the others are just looking to set up little businesses and try and be as self-supporting as possible. So we'd appreciate your prayers for them. The new people group that we're, we're partnering with, WANAG people, um, it's an amazing work that's gone. Nofi's been out to visit them. I'm next on the list to go out. And we're just wanting to be involved and help as much as we can. And just, I'm excited to be a part of seeing so many people's lives being changed and seeing so many people coming into, into the kingdom. Um, we'd also love for people to invest in our kids through prayer, through sponsor a child program, if you're like, come and see me after. Um, and just investing into these young people's lives. You can be in contact with them. I'll give you updates. That's all possible. And finally, we're planning to run another discipleship training school in September, either for single mums if we get a lot more in or 
just um, whoever's ready. So that needs a lot of prayer, needs a lot of support. Um, and there's always a lot of opposition because whenever you're doing something for the kingdom, the devil tries to, to thwart away. So I really appreciate your prayers for that. Thank you so much for your time. I'm sure now you can understand why Cheryl is one of Susan and I's heroes. Yeah, the incredible work that is done both in providing a mother and a father's heart to these kids, sharing God's heart in the process, as well as reaching out and transforming lives and communities. It's just incredible. Glasgow, I wonder, could we do the biblical thing of showing honour today? Could you show the level of honour that is appropriate to this incredible lady? Please, would you? We are going to close our service off. Stay standing. We're going to close our service off by praying for Cheryl. So I'm going to ask if, if the deacons and their wives would come. Susan, would you come? And uh, would you, where you are, would you stretch out your hand uh, towards Cheryl? Um, and uh, we, we want to kind of just pray right now, if that's okay. So we can pray for these things. Could you right now just raise your voice and begin to either pray a prayer in your earthly language or right now, just begin to pray in the Spirit. I'm going to ask Phil if you would mind coming and praying. Is that okay, Phil? He's one that's been on the missions field with a huge heart for mission. I can't think of anyone better. Right, church, let's raise our voices together, shall we? Right now, let's just raise our voices and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we want to thank you. <clears throat> for what we have heard this morning. This, your work, your kingdom, your gospel, your power, your salvation, your power to transform, to equip, Cheryl, for you and Novi, we ask in the name of Jesus Christ that the enablement of the Holy Spirit of God, which is already upon you both, would be multiplied yes. and increased beyond anything that you or your husband could ever imagine. For his honor, for his glory, for the extension of his kingdom, especially into the Warner people group and every single group like them across Indonesia, in places where you may not reach yourselves but because of the work and the time you invest in others, multiplication will take place and increase and expand for the glory of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you.